Hi, everybody, and welcome to a classic mythology-inspired, is that a good way to say it? A Beowulf-centric uh, episode of Words, Images, and Worlds. Uh, also comics-related, so lots of fun things happening on this episode. And delighted, as always, to be talking with comics creator Alexis Fajardo. May I call you Lex? Alexis? Oh, of course. What, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the, yeah, of course, Jason. This is fun. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it is my a, pleasure. Yeah, classics of all stripes converging in this conversation. That's, that's, that's right. That's right. To, to yeah. spin it, whether it's classic comics or classic literature or epic poetry. Um, that's all my jam. So it's a good jam. It's a good jam. Yeah. Uh, you and I have talked before. We did a little recorded talk about two years ago. And then last fall, you and I and Gareth Hines did a talk. It's on YouTube. Have you seen it on YouTube? That one? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah that the, was, that like was the really first funny. 10 minutes is me staring like, what am I doing? But after that, it gets better. When when we right. get you both on, it, it becomes much better. The entertainment right. value increases greatly. Um, so we won't have that lead in lag time this time. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but always great. That, was, to that, that beginning was brutal only because, you know, I think uh, the technical difficulties, they were they were challenging for all of us. And then and and you had to you had the muster through as the as the as the host and it it was a valiant effort and it worked great and then when we all three got to chat it was it was really fun so uh that i really was fun. That. yeah and that had, that talk has made an appearance in my classroom a couple of times this year just talking about comics graphic novels classic stories um so i i've suffered through listening to my voice but enjoyed hearing you and gareth hines talking with each other uh and my Let's... my students do find it entertaining that i'm sort of like staring into the camera right. first so <laughs> well can i ask how do your students respond to a that talk but mo more specifically the subject matter are they keen on that world of mythology I think so. Yeah. You know, it, with reading and with stories, it depends. But there's something about mythology that always captures at least a part of the class. You know, and there are people that are that are not not as into it. I have students that are really into like uh, more young adult romance fiction stuff, um, which I, I would rather personally read Beowulf than than that personally um so you know i try to share a lot of different things but there are always mythology kids and then there are always comics kids and there are always kids that are sort of somewhere in between that really are captivated by a lot of it so uh yeah. i was certainly a mythology well. kid i was, that, was yeah. that was really i remember i mean i always gravitated to it on my own um and then mm -hmm. when we had those sessions in class um it just was I was one of the one of the there was like a little cadre of us. We were super excited to to just jump into anything mythology related. So, yeah. Um, and that that sort of um, interest and fire and enthusiasm that I had when I was like eight, it has just sort of carried on, you know, 40 odd years later. So um, so that's sort of like when I write my books, I sometimes think about like, OK, who I, who was I at that time in fifth or sixth grade and, and mm -hmm. kind of like that kid? Um, and, uh, it's a good, it's a good thing to bear in mind. Yeah. There, there's so much of what I love that I have memories of reading it at home, 
you know, but I don't have like memories of that great lesson at school. So I think I try to be that teacher that brings some of those things in because the, the only connection to comics and mythology that I had as a kid in like elementary school was uh, an adaptation of Clash of the Titans comics mm -hmm. adaptation in the school library. And it was like the one that I checked out the most. Uh, you know, I, I found a copy of it at a flea market later and continue to enjoy it that way. Um, I don't remember connecting with mythology in the classroom because it wasn't there, but I remember reading comics and um, I remember having like action figures of Zeus and different characters. Oh, sure. From probably um, Clash of the Titans, right? Well, Maybe? actually, these were like a, it was a different set. I never, I oh, never okay. made my hand, got my hands across any copies uh, or any, um, yeah, I guess copies would be the word of the action figures from Clash of the Titans. Uh, I need to eBay some of those. That would be okay. good. That would be cool. Um, <laughs> but there was like this little host of mostly Greek and Roman mythology action figures that I got through some mail order catalog. And they weren't posable, but I remember playing with them and Iron Man and Thor and things like that. And it just kind of all weaved together in my mind in, in some yeah. crazy way. Well, and that makes perfect sense because, you know, I often when I do school presentations, I always lead with showing the kids the heroes they know which are spider-man and iron man and and the dc and marvel characters and kind of tail it back to perseus and odysseus and heracles and all those guys because that they're they're the same they're just from different time periods and and genres but the heroic story is is you know superheroes are our modern day mythology um and uh and so that that seems it, it seems to be a link that that they they glom onto pretty quickly and, and, uh, and it just sort of makes the whole presentation more exciting for them. And I hadn't thought about Spider-Man being part of that, but I mean, you've got a Nazi, right. And Ariadne and all of these characters that are sort of connected to, to spiders in that way. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, there's definitely that link. Um, were, were you a comics kid growing up as well? Oh yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, there are certain comics that, uh, I remember being introduced to when I was when I was um, you know like eight or eight or nine. Specifically, one would be a French comic called Asterix that always sort of mm -hmm. uh, beautifully drawn, and and that's still sort of in my back pocket as something I like to to um, reference and and look to. But then there was that moment when <clears throat> I started to discover comics on my own, and we had uh, the corner store that the you know across from the park that we lived and. And I think I would have been maybe nine or 10 when I discovered um, Marvel comics. I mean, I always loved Spider-Man. It was that kid who like that was my hero, but I never read the comics. And then I started to go through and pick up the issues. And there was a summer. I remember specifically it was the summer of Atlantis attacks, which was like the Marvel annual that was coming out. And so every annual, whether it was Daredevil or Spider-Man or Fantastic Four, would have that story that, that was mm -hmm. linked but then it had all this great back matter, which was like had the origin of Spider-Man or the origin of these other characters. And so I could get into I became a Marvel zombie pretty quick. Yeah, and then I would yeah. go to, you know, um, find the back issues. And 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 that was actually not too different, again, from discovering those Greek uh, or Norse stories, because there's so many variations of those you know, those uh, those stories and, and different storytellers, um, whether it's Homer or somebody who's modern like Mary Renault or, or, and they're doing their versions. And so 
Um, and so when you're digging through the library for those quote unquote back issues of mythology, it's very akin to like digging through the long boxes at the mm -hmm. comic shop, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. trying to piece together the mythology of the X-Men or, or what have you. Um, so uh, those links have always been pretty um, prevalent um, in my mind. And, and I, yeah, I went through the whole image phase that I, I was part oh, of that um, boom as well. And, and I, and now I sort of dip in and out of, Marvel comics. I'm not, I don't read them as religiously as I used to um, and haven't in many years. Um, but I think the movies, um, the good ones at least, kind of, you know, scratch that itch. Um, yeah. And, uh, and there are always those graphic novels that I'll, I'll, I'll gravitate to or specific runs that I think are well done. And, you know, to your point earlier about the connection of Spider Man and perhaps mythology, J. Michael Straczynski did an interesting run, I think in the maybe mid 2000s on Spider Man. Um, and he approached it from the totemistic world of spider mythology. And some mm -hmm. people didn't work for, for a lot of fans, but I thought it was interesting um, only because it sort of narratively, you know, touches on what we're talking about right now. And, and um, so, yeah, I'm a Marvel zombie, a comic zombie, um, love it all. And so you have the, this really nice marriage of all of that. That's part of the kid Beowulf series. Um, which I discovered sometime through like NetGalley or, or one of those places. Uh, and I, I've continued to follow it since then. So so any sort of like elevator pitch, teacher tease, reader um, sort of glimpse that you'd like to share for people that aren't as familiar with Kid Beowulf. Sure. Yeah. So um, Kid Beowulf, it's inspired by the epic poem Beowulf and um, <clears throat> it recasts the lead characters, Beowulf the Viking and Grendel the the mere monster, um, as opposed to arch enemies in the epic, they are 12-year-old twin brothers. Um, and the first book, which came out um, originally so, uh, black and white back in 2008 and then republished with Andrews McMeal in 2016, full color, um, that one is called The Bloodbound Oath. And um, it explains the mysterious origin of the brothers, like where they came from, how they got to be twins. Uh, it's a familial story. Um, so that first book, we we discover Beowulf's Beowulf and Grendel's great grandfather, the mistakes he made that sort of led to their um, their birth. Um, and then after that, <clears throat> pardon me, the the story becomes a travelogue for Beowulf and Grendel across Europe and Asia through the through the different uh, mythologies and legends um, that populated those different countries. So, for instance, mm -hmm. book two. They go to France, they meet um, Charlemagne, all of his knights. It's it's very much um, inspired by the Song of Roland, which is a French epic. Book three, they go into Spain and they meet El Cid. So it's, it's very much a medieval romance epic inspired by the Spanish epic. Book four, they go and meet Romulus and Remus. So another oh. pair of twins and about the founding of Rome. And uh, book five, I'm sort of just scratching away at the surface of that story right now. But um, that will be inspired by the Odyssey. So we're sort of oh, we're finally getting to those the, that part of the world that I'm really excited about because you know going back to our earlier conversation, like eight year old me is totally jazzed about getting into Greek mythology. So oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I'm sort of breaking down that story, figuring out what I want you know uh, Beowulf from Grendel to be doing. But it's it's a it's it's very much inspired by not only those stories but kind of the joseph campbell approach to world mythology and how all those things and threads are interconnected and and i like beowulf in particular the epic <clears throat> for a number of reasons uh 
but one that I that I I think is is interesting is that it's the epic itself sort of lives in this space that is at once you know mythological legend and legendary in the sense that you've got Beowulf the Viking and the dragon and the monsters and all these mythological elements but then it's also because it was first written down you know by a nameless monk um it has this overtone of like this Christian theology to it. So it's sort of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so it, you know, in terms of timelines, it kind of lives in this middle space where you can sort of go forward to other times like um, Roland and, and El Cid, as I mentioned, or you can go backward in terms of like the Greek mythology and stuff. So um, it's completely anachronistic. Like these timelines do not match up. You know, if you were to actually look at the history books and and the epics and and map them across my stories, but metaphorically i th- i feel like um the 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 idea that beowulf and grendel sort of you know whatever country they're going to is the golden age mm-hmm. of that culture and that and that that epic that that's connected to it um and for me because as we said before i'm a mythology buff it gives me an opportunity to have conversations with those stories and um and share them with younger readers who might not be familiar with these these heroes just sort of like a a bit of a primer, but mostly just a fun adventure story that takes place in these fantasy worlds. Yeah, I love that. Love that. And uh, I won't almost want to pull in like a teacher sidebar here and go, uh, <laughs> you know, like you've got geography, you've got culture, uh, history and religions. You've got, uh, of course, the literacy aspects of it. You've got um, the art side of the books. And so there are lots of connections, so many connections to explore through those. And, and so wonderful that you kind of pull that willing suspension and, and give the characters the chance to go around and kind of connect with um, this wider view of stories too, with that like hero's journey kind of thing that you're after and that you mentioned. So, uh, so many possibilities there. And I'll also mention there's a teacher's guide for yes, at least yeah. one there, of the books or a couple. All, all four of the of the main books have teacher's guides that were done with uh the great organization reading with pictures um uh-huh, uh-huh. so yeah we worked together and we and we we built these um these guys that have activities and they have sort of um vocabulary sections actually everything you just listed about geography and culture and those are sort of part of those guides as well um and uh those are available it's a, a free resource um on my website um on, if you go to kidbeowulf.com there's a little tab that says teach and within that are these downloadable PDFs um, that I encourage folks to, to check out. Um, and uh, and those are really fun to do too. Cause you know, honestly, I don't really ever think about the teaching component of the stories when I'm writing them. It's really just, can I tell the best story I can and yeah. touch on the things and the themes that I want to, that, that resonate with me in the original source material. And then it's, it's a happy accident that teachers like yourself see all these other connections that, that, weren't they're they're clearly there because of of the the source material has been with us for so long and it's but uh as a creator it's not necessarily top of mind um yeah Yeah. so it's great to have smarter people like you figure out all those threads and like you know package them and bring them to to the kids and i can just sit back and say yeah i meant to do that sure of course (laughs) so absolutely absolutely well that that's the cool thing about stories too so often you know if it's a story that you've put yourself into if it, even a poem, thinking about, you know, the the history of these works as epic poems, um, 
sharing something out in the world creates those possibilities for people to come along and respond to it, share about it, bring their own history to it. Um, so that's that's kind of a, a nice affordance. And Kylene Beers, this author about literacy, uh, says, you know, books are first written to be loved. You, you have to love them first and yeah. then you can study them. Then you can teach them. But, uh, you know, all of those things that you bring as the author and the artist are, are so important for yeah. building that. And that goes directly back to, you know, when I engage with the epics myself, um, I'm reading them first and foremost, just as a fun story. And that's how they were in, in initially intended. You know, Be Beowulf was told around the campfire. It was, it was, it was the, the quote-unquote movie of the of the of the week for for the for the tribe uh for mm -hmm. the clan uh, same with the odyssey and gilgamesh and what have you so um you know everything that's within the story is is that you know cultural osmosis that that you know the people who are listening to the story can can see oh that's what that's what it means to be a good hero that's that's the right moral ethical path to take this is what you do when you're in you're in danger um this is what you this is a story to to you know um, with survival tactics, all that stuff. But mm -hmm. yeah, we're just reading it because it's a great story. And then when you do the reread or and you work with other critical texts, you can sort of see all the things that are that are built in. Um, so um, as someone who works with these stories, I'm constantly going back to the source material and reading them because um, mm -hmm. there's always something new I you know I'm reminded of or um, first in, you know introduced to again and and it's um, so that's why I feel like, I could just keep telling these stories. It's fine. I mean, I've got I've got it more or less all mapped out. I know where I want Beowulf and Reynolds to go from book to book. Love the that. the struggle that they're going to go through. Because um, oftentimes I describe it as a prequel to Beowulf. So mm -hmm. the confrontation that Beowulf and Grendel um, have in the original epic poem that's always alluded to in these stories. And and you know, as brothers, you know, how do they deal with that? And then the the other components um similar you know that are noted in things like joseph campbell like world mythology and and monsters and monster slayers and all that good stuff is just rolled in together um so the superstructure of the kid beowulf story is this relationship between the brothers and if you know the original epic poem you'll know that that confrontation is to is to come so it's all about you know will they or won't they fight each other um and um and so playing around with those ideas is is as a storyteller is really fun to to um to explore yeah yeah and um i love the spin i love the the different way of looking at the classic story because that's also an important part of it of you know there there are retellings and there are parts that you get to choose to retell but then you get to take your own creative license and you also have um hama the, yes. the children's uh, sort of a more of a picture book sort of entry into the series so right. um, readers can connect with that and then sort of grow into the series along with you too yeah and for those who don't know Hama Hama is um Beowulf and Grendel's stalwart companion it's Hama the pig he's a he's a he's a pig that walks upright and is very smart because as pigs are and mm -hmm. he we meet him in the first book and he follows Beowulf and Grendel on all their adventures he's sort of like a little like an r2d2 analog in that he's you know he's um uh he's smart he doesn't speak but he he's always getting his you know Beowulf and Grendel out of a jam through his his own wits um but I thought it would be fun you know I do when I do a lot of book conventions and and author shows and whatnot 
you know, my stuff, I, I usually say if you're eight years old and up, you're going to like Kid Beowulf. But there are those younger kids, maybe those siblings who come out of those older mm -hmm. kids that, that come to my table and are just attracted to the bright colors and the characters and, and specifically Hama. So I thought, oh, it'd be fun to just do a storybook about Hama the pig, how he met Beowulf and um, really kind of um, gear it to those younger readers to give them something of their own um, and then lead them, as you say, lead them into the graphic novel. Yeah. And, and we've actually spun out the um, the storybook into um, uh, I'm playing with the the format of a four panel comic strip featuring yeah. Hama and this other character who appeared in book four who was a woodpecker, Peaky the woodpecker, and they have a fun sort of dynamic, kind of like a Snoopy Woodstock thing that I'm just sort of playing with. Um, but again, sort of thinking of those super young readers, but those early early readers who might not be ready for like the big word balloons and trying to keep it like a pantomime comic strip. And, and it's, it's challenging, but it's fun because those characters are so fun to draw. Um, and, uh, and as a creator, it sort of forces me to like work really simply, which is tough for me. There are some cartoonists who are really good at, at just paring down and getting to that headspace. But for me, it's, it's a real exercise. So I'm trying my hand at that. And, um, and it's sort of a, a Hama, the spinoff of, Hama, so a Hama Hama spinoff. So nice, nice, love it. <laughs> yeah. So you also have um, songs and sagas. That's currently yeah. it's currently under Kickstarter campaign. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's a it's we're doing it through Crowdfunder, which is which is a, akin to Kickstarter. So it's a crowdfunding campaign to um, uh, help um, with the publication costs and and getting the the book out into the world for the new book in the series called Songs and Sagas, which is basically a collection of short stories. And so in between these big fat four books that I've done, each of which is about 200 pages each, I will occasionally take a break and do a, a short story. Um, it kind of keeps me um, just because, you know, there's, it takes so much energy just to do a full graphic novel. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'm sort of, I'm, I'm creating these side characters who are, who are really interesting. And I want to like, you know, um, see what they're about. So I sort of carve out space to do these these shorter stories, and I've done enough of them that they comprise this this um, this graphic novel. Um, so here's a look at that. Um, lovely. And Very Songs lovely. and Sagas has thank you. It's got five stories, and um, uh, it's full color, and we're crowdfunding it now. And they're really fun for a lot of different reasons. Um, I like doing the short stories because each one gives me a different um, challenge. So for instance, there's a story, uh, called lay of the last survivor again, inspired by Beowulf. Um, but I, I wanted to do just a chase story and, and pantomime. And like, so there's no dialogue. It's just one of the characters falls, falls upon this, you know, this, this Viking village has been raided. Um, and then a chase ensues and it's all about her trying to survive this, this chase. And it's all just done visually. Um, and uh, and then there's another story that's like a 15 pager, which features Beowulf and Grendel, and it's very comedic. And then there's some other stories that are a little more dark and fanciful. So it it plays with tone. It plays with different characters that we've discovered in the big books. It reveals Easter eggs, um, and it's also the connective tissue between books one and two and three and four and so on. So um, I'm excited to finally like have enough stories to put together a book. Yeah, and. Yeah. Um, and that's and that'll so as I as you say the the crowdfunder is happening this month, but the book will come out in October of 2023, and um, 
people go to kidbayelf.com, they'll be able to get one or the other. They can support the crowdfunder, or if they're listening to this later, they can order the book there too. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll be sure and I'll share the link on the the Spotify version of this as well. Um, cool. Yeah. I- any other spaces before we get to the end of our episode, um, any spaces that readers can go, um, upcoming appearances, um, web spaces that are particularly helpful or, or anything like that? Yeah. Um, for those who are on social media, they can find me at Lex Fajardo Art both on um, Instagram, what's left of Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But I, I always like to direct people directly to my website because that's, mm-hmm. I know it's old fashioned, but it's but it's it's the hub. And it's also the best place to read my comics and you can read a bunch of them for free. And then if you like them and you want to, you know, um, support the cause, there's, there's opportunities to be uh, a patron through Patreon or support the crowdfunder. Um, and... Uh, and then in terms of like real world appearances, um, 2023 marks the 20th anniversary of me doing Kid Beowulf, which is which is strangely Very astonishing cool. to me. Um, <laughs> so I'm I've sort of been doing some some appearances at, you know, comic conventions and the like. And the next one that comes up is will be Comic-Con in San oh, Diego. Nice. Nice. So I'll, I'll be doing a couple of um, signings at different booths. So if they if, the, if folks go to kidbeowulf.com, I'll have that information there. Um and uh, and I'm always looking forward to like I do talks at um, uh, well education you know conferences that we've talked about whether it's ALA or NCTE or mm-hmm. uh, you know Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators I you know it's always fun to share what I've gleaned over the 20 years of doing this and hopefully inspire people who either want to do it themselves or talk shop with people like yourself about the process um, it's it's really fun. So I'm really fortunate. And I, and I just love um, pretty much all aspects of making comics. Awesome. awesome. Except for maybe the writing. The writing is really hard. <laughs> now, that, now, that, now that I think about it, like I'm in the middle of like trying to figure out a couple of stories and I'm like, dang, are you all, and that, what's also interesting as a creator, and I don't know if you've heard this from other folks you've interviewed, but once you actually create and you get through the hurdles of all that um, and you put the book on the shelf and then you come back to the next book to, to create again like for me i've like completely forgotten how to do it all like i don't know if like your brain is sort of because it's so arduous is sort of tricking you into like forgetting how to draw how, how to write how to because if we knew we wouldn't keep doing it i don't know but that that's something i always struggle with it's like how do i do this so always going back to so and I know it's a it's an arduous journey. It's a definitely a labor of love that uh, a, a lot of people that I talk with, especially people that have done like, you know, maybe illustrated like picture books or shorter form works that then take on a graphic novel or like, I wish someone had told me that there's yeah. all of this work. But then it, it seems to be worth it for creators that really enjoy the medium, too. And definitely, definitely worth it for readers. So, yeah. And it's um it certainly is satisfying when you have that big chunk of work in front of you. I'm like, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I did that. And and that, that person is reading it and they're enjoying it and, uh, and they're asking for the next one. And, yeah. um, and of course they, you know, younger kids, they have no idea what it takes to create these things. So they are hungry for that next installment. And it's, and I always feel bad about saying, well, I'm, I'm working on it, but yeah, yeah. You're eight. It's not going to be done until you're 10. I'm, you know, I hope you're still with me. So <laughs> you generally come back. 
So, and, and it's nice to have a full epic to enjoy. And uh, I find myself rereading, rereading a ton uh, of books that I enjoy and going back. And there's so much to take in with the art that's there, the the storyline. So definitely, uh, I think it's Raina Telgemeier that, that says, like, slow down, look at those panels a little bit and, and take some of that in <laughs> yeah. while the while the author is creating the next one. Enjoy and sort of savor the one that that's out. So, yeah, it's, it's great advice. And then, you know, I often tell, you know, fans who are hungry for the next book in my series, and when they hear it's going to take so long, I, say, I point them to other books that are like mine. Like if you like my stuff, you're going to love, um, you know, stuff like Stan Sakai's Usagi Yojimbo or Jeff Smith's Bone or, you know, as I said before, Asterix or uh, Chris Schweitzer's work, who, I, who I'm a big fan of. He's great at, at history and, and comics. And so there's so much out there now. Yeah. You to, go to your library, go to Barnes and Noble. You are going to find so many worlds to just sort of dive into that are going to, um, you know, my stuff or these other artists that you like whose work you're waiting for, it's going to be there when you come back. So yeah. just um, spread the wealth because there's there's a lot out there. True, true, true. And I love that, that focus on highlighting uh, folks out there <clears throat> like yourself that are that are doing this this work. And uh, you truly you don't have enough time in a lifetime to read it all. So no. uh, there's a lot to enjoy. It's a good sure. time. Yes. Yeah. We are fortunate for sure. Very much. Well, um, anything else that you want to make sure to, to mention before we run out of time on the episode? No, this has been really fun. Uh, again, I would just let folks know if they're interested um, and they're just coming to Kid Beowulf for the first time, go to kidbeowulf.com. All the, the back catalog is there for them to explore. And then the new book um, songs and sagas is also a great primer too, because it's, it's these short stories and and they're all self-contained and um, it's a good way to sort of dive into the mythos and, and, um, and uh, yeah, when you're making these, these comics, it's, it's, you can never have too many or too few readers. So mm-hmm. more the merrier. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, always glad to share about your, your work and your books and you shared um, songs and sagas with me. So I'll be, finding some places to do some writing about that and sharing about it as well. And well worth the journey. Well worth it. Cool. Thank you so much. This has been really fun. Yeah. Always great to talk with you.